Welcome, and thank you for joining us today on the Solomon's Porch Podcast with Bible teacher Barry Borthistle. Barry has been a student of the Word his entire life. As a former pastor, he understands how to disciple people in the Bible. And as a successful business owner, he brings real-world issues into perspective through the lens of Scripture. Go to solomonsporchteaching.com for the notes from this episode. Welcome, everybody. As the song that you've just heard says, nothing is impossible with God, and that is certainly true today, as we have all been impacted by COVID-19 and many other issues. The Wall Street Journal put it very interesting to me when they said, and I will quote, who will save us now that the monster COVID-19 has broken free? Question mark. The pandemic has humbled the country, and the world has opened up millions of eyes to this risky universe once more. Went on to say, for societies founded on biblical traditions, pandemics need not make for the end. This is a call for repentance and revival. Great struggles can produce great clarity. In the Old Testament, it would seem that men of spiritual resources may not only redeem catastrophe, but turn the moment into a great creative opportunity. That really hit me, and I thought of people like Noah and Abraham and so forth. But for Ruth and I, and for many others, this has been a a tremendous changing time. Uh, We've had some real challenges in finance and in business. So what I want to share with you over the coming weeks is a little bit about our learning curve, what we've learned, For us, as I've mentioned, is more for business and finance, but for others, it may be health or marriage or family or relationships or others. So as I read the Wall Street Journal, I got thinking about the Old Testament 
saints and their comment. And I thought of a man called King Hezekiah, which I'm going to comment on just in just a few minutes. However, I really would encourage all of you to go to our webpage and get the notes. And the reason I say this is that there's so much encouragement here, but you need the notes. I look at the notes every day and it's made a great difference to me. And the other reason I say this is that research shows that within uh, one hour after hearing anything, we forget 70% of what we've heard. And within the next 24 hours, another 15%. So I really encourage you to uh, go to the webpage, get the notes, follow along, invite others to join you and so forth, whatever way you want to do it. But it's uh, very, very important that you do that. And that's my strong suggestion. In the notes, you'll see the table of contents, which we will be covering in the next uh, seven podcasts. Very uh, fascinating, interesting uh, information, which is really help Ruth and I through this particular time in our lives and so many others around the world. What I really wanted to uh, uh, relate to was uh, King Hezekiah. And, and the Wall Street Journal got me back to a study I had done some years ago. King Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, his story is told in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, he was a righteous king. He inherited a mess from his father. But the very first thing he did was that he gathered the people together and they had to repair the temple. The temple, which is where God meant, met them, they had to um, uh, restruct and redecorate it and, and so forth uh, because it wasn't in proper use. And I got thinking about that and I got thinking about that we don't have the temple today, but our body is a temple. And that fascinated me, so that's what got me into this study. So I want to give you just a little bit of the history of the temple because I think it's very, very important that we understand the history of the temple on how the brick and mortar temple then relates to us. Absolutely a fascinating uh, story, so here we go. So here's a little bit of a history of the temple. It began with Moses when God instructed him to make the portable tabernacle. The word tabernacle means habitation, it means to dwell, it means a, a dwelling place. The story is told in Exodus chapters 29 to 40. Why did God do this? Well, he needed a place of dedication and devotion where people could worship him. And God met their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs through the idea of him meeting in the temple with all of his glory. Wow, what a thought. Well, why a tabernacle? Well, because God in the Old Testament did not dwell in the hearts of people like he does today. And that, of course, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. But God still needed a place to communicate with the children of Israel during years of wandering. And as I've mentioned before, Moses did build the temple. So if you turn to page one in your notes that I hope you now have, I want to take, give you just a little bit of a history of the brick and mortar temple. Our body is now the temple of God, and that 
is told very clear in 1 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, which my beautiful wife is going to read. If, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. They say that history is um, a good place to learn from, so I want to give you just a little bit of the history of the temple. And this is found on page one of your notes. When King Solomon finished the first temple, which took him seven years to build at a cost of about $300 million, the temple was 11 floors high, 1 million square feet in size, could house up to 10,000 people and was divided into three parts. The first part was called the Great or Outer Court. This is where the general public would gather for worship. Number two, the holy place. This is where the priests would offer sacrifices for sin on a daily basis. Number three, the holies of holies. This is the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. The Ark of the Covenant contained one, the Aaron's rod, the first high priest. By the way, it, it budded and it budded almonds and almonds happened to be the best nut you could eat. I find that kind of interesting. Number two, it contained the golden pot of manna, food. And number three, the Ten Commandments, which is mentioned in Hebrews 9.4. The high priest then would enter the holies of holies for the atonement for sin once per year. This was known as the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. The word atonement, listen to this, is mentioned about 130 times in the Old Testament, and it means to forgive, to cover. Then what happened would, would the uh, high priest then would take the uh, blood from the, uh, the goats. The two goats were brought to the high priest on the day of Yom Kippur. The blood of the goat that was sacrificed would be sprinkled seven times on the mercy seat, which was the top of the Ark of the Covenant. The blood was then sprinkled seven times on the head of the live goat. This goat became known as the scapegoat. The number seven in the Bible is mentioned hundreds of times, and it is the number of completion. The, holy ho uh, the holies of holies was a perfect cube that was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, 30 feet high, and was, and was overlaid with gold. The New Jerusalem, which is our final home in Revelation 21, interesting, is also a perfect cube of 1,400 miles, or 2,200 kilometers, which equals 2 million square miles. Interesting enough, it is also paved with gold. Very interesting. That's a little bit of the history. Now, the miracle of you and me as God's temple. This is on page two of your notes. We are made up of three parts, just like the Old Testament was, the body, the soul, the spirit. And Ruth will read that in First Thessalonians chapter Five, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. 
But unlike Solomon's temple, which was brick and mortar, God formed each of us and knew us in our mother's womb, Jeremiah 1.5. We are also told that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, verse 14. So look at your mate right now and say, you are wonderfully made, honey, you really are. Here is an amazing biblical truth, the word atonement in the New Testament, remember in the Old Testament, it's mentioned 130 times, but in the New Testament, it's only mentioned once, and it means divine favor, Romans 5.11. When did this huge transformation take place from the brick-and-mortar temple to the fact that our bodies are now the temple of God? This is amazing. It happened at the very moment when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ shed his blood seven ways. Again, the number of completion. At this moment, the veil of the temple, which protected the holders of holies, was split in two from the top to the bottom. At this moment of transformation, there was a massive earthquake, so powerful that many graves were opened and many dead people arose. That story is told in Matthew 27, verses 50 to 54 which my beautiful wife with her temple will read. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, this was no accidental event. Consider this, that the veil of the temple was as high as 30 feet high, and Jewish custom says that it was wet or when it was wet, it would take about 300 men just to pull it, and even two horses could not pull it. The significance of this incredible event, again, in the Old Testament, as we've mentioned, you would need the high priest who could only go into the holies once a year to for the forgiveness of sins. But here is what happened when our bodies became the temple of God. It's incredible. Because you and I are now the temple, the veil has been ripped from top to bottom, which now act, allows us 724 access to our high priest, who is not Aaron, but is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched, with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, if this doesn't convince you about the importance that your body is the temple of God, maybe this will. The DNA in one cell in the human body holds the equivalent of roughly 800 books of information. 
You didn't know that, did you? A typical human body has about 300 trillion cells, each of which has a DNA strand that could be uncoiled to about three meters in length. Thus, if the DNA in one adult human were strung together, it would stretch from Earth to the sun and back about 70 times, according to Josh McDowell. Absolutely amazing. Please go to page three. As the temple of the living God, it is very important that we understand how important we are to the Lord. Jesus Christ himself prophesied that the brick and mortar temple would be destroyed in Mark 13, verses 1 to 2, and it was in 70 AD. King Solomon, the wisest, richest man who built the temple, gives us some incredible, amazing principles on how we should live today as the temple of God in Proverbs chapter 3. This is an amazing chapter. In this chapter, as we will discover next week, he gives us 25 commands with 23 blessings if we obey those commands. He gives us 10 values of happiness. He gives us words of wisdom and knowledge from God. I call this the maintenance principles of our temple. In other words, when we go through them, if we obey them, and I read these now every day with what we're going through, and it, it, it's just had a huge, huge impact on my life. The context of this is very important, of Proverbs chapter 3. When Solomon wrote these words, which were directed by the Holy Spirit, the Jewish men of the day would place the words of God in a pouch, which would then be tied around their necks as they went to the daily prayer. Lesson learned. In other words, where their neck went, God went. Think about it this way. Why would the Jewish men do this? Well, Almighty God calls his holy word the apple of his eye. Now, this is amazing. Apple in Hebrew means pupil. Now, the pupil of our eye is what lets the light in. You get that? The pupil of our eye is what lets the light in. So God refers to his holy word as the pupil of his eye. I often call my wife, honey, you are the apple of my eye. And that kind of makes it even more exciting when you understand the principle behind this. Joan Rivers said, my body is a temple and my temple needs redecorating. So does mine, so does yours. Ray Lewis said, here is the bottom line. Your body is a temple and you have to treat it this way because that is how God has designed you. So next week, we're going to look at the 25 commands, uh, verse by verse, and I'll give you some uh, incredible stories how it's affected us through this time, and it is absolutely life-changing. I'm going to close with a song called God Bless America. Now, uh, for our Canadians, uh, this is a traditionally an American song, but we are uh, part of the North America continent we can change the name to Canada but uh, it, it's about praying for God's blessing on our societies today 
Enjoy the song. God bless America. And we will see you next week. Look after your temple. God bless. joining us on Solomon's Porch. For notes from today's episode or to contact Barry, please go to solomonsporchteaching.com. That's solomonsporchteaching.com. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.